welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. We are going to look at a passage in the Gospel of John, and uh, before we do, I'll talk a little bit about myself, right? Because you love to hear me talk about myself. Uh, I'm a pastor. I haven't always been a pastor. In fact, there were times you might have met me where you would have thought, no way that guy is going to be a pastor because uh, I haven't always been a saint. That's a joke. <laughs> you may find it hard to believe, but there was a time in my life when I, I went down a lot of different paths that, that uh, man, that were not anything that had anything to do with faith or love of God. And I found myself in some dark places at times. When I graduated high school, uh, for instance, I had already kind of let grades kind of slide off my radar of what was important. I went to my freshman year of college, and I was not ready for that kind of freedom and uh, self-reliance. And so I, I ended that year with a grade point average of 1.9 out of 4. Um, not a good year. Yeah, you're laughing because it's funny. Uh, my parents didn't laugh. They made me come home, and then I went to a school a little closer but I had my heart set on other things. Music, I, you know, the last thing I wanted to think about was, was the responsible thing to do, the normal, um, whatever that even is. And so for me, I just wanted to play music. And I knew that my parents might think that I'm stepping away from school because I wasn't good at it. So I spent a year and a half at IEPY and uh, brought my grade point average to a 3.7. So just to show them, I can do this. I just don't want to. And so I eventually talked them into letting me step away from school, and I went and moved around and had a whole list of jobs, which I've given to you before, which involves a lot of different things. And in the midst of that, I found myself in some dark places and made some bad decisions and, and just invested my time and energy in the wrong people and the wrong things. And I felt like a failure in my mid-20s. Now, at the time, I felt like I just had blown it as a human being. I uh, found myself in some dark places, found myself in some deep holes that I had to then spend time digging out of. There was a lot of shame and heaviness to how I felt about myself. And I, I see it much differently now, looking back on it. But at the time, if you've ever been in that place, it's, it's devastating. And it's really hard. And the pain is real, even if you have some sort of foresight that there's a lot of life left to live. If you told me then I'd be standing here today, not only would I have laughed at you, I would have thought it was just absolutely impossible. I mean, who am I? Now, I eventually went back to school begrudgingly and then found that I had a real love for studying Scripture and studying our faith and history and studying philosophy, but still I really carried the sense that I was stained somehow from some of the decisions I'd made. I, like, I had a scarlet letter. Um, that people might eventually see and discover that I'm not who they thought I was because at the time I was involved in a youth ministry. And so around all these youth, and I'm thinking, if they knew who I was, they might not want me influencing their kids. But there I was. So you couple that with over the years and exploring my faith and asking hard questions of faith, that some of the attacks that I felt from other pastors, because you know, no pastors are saints. Amen? That's a lesson that I didn't know until I was in my mid-20s. 
And I, I received the lesson loud and clear in ways. I've had parishioners kind of, you know, really question me and struggle with me and, and kind of make me feel like I got to hesitate and have a little anxiety myself about doing this work. I had plenty of people who lifted me up and encouraged me, but when you have that mindset that you've really blown it, it's hard to hear the encouragement. Amen? And we could hear a hundred compliments and one negative comment, which one are you going to think about? Now, I went to seminary. I graduated. I was commissioned and appointed here. You've all been uh, dealing with me for over three years now, and it's been wonderful. But even then, I wondered... I know, I know they tell me I'm called. They're affirming my call. I just, am I? It's kind of how it felt. Now, my ordination service, which was just a few months ago, something, everything kind of changed there for me. Um, it was the prayers. It was the, the message. It was just the whole service, being there, being ready to be ordained, kneeling in front of the bishop, hands on me from, from my mentors, from the bishop, and through that whole service, at one point, I just felt, in a, felt a way I hadn't felt, um, maybe ever, definitely for a long time. I understood when John Wesley said he felt his heart strangely warmed. It was like, oh, oh, I know what that means now. I felt like God had arms around me and was just holding me, as if to say, yes, you. And all the doubt started washing away. Um, I'll never forget that moment. Felt like a beloved child, and I felt called for the first time, really. Everyone had been telling me I was trying to get myself to believe it, but to finally feel it is different. Now, because of all the roads I've walked and some of the places I've been and done and seen, I actually am able to be a pastor in ways that I couldn't have been otherwise, right? I mean, I know what it's like to be rejected and attacked, and so I don't do these things because I know that, and that's not... It's not right. Uh, and I only felt that through the humility that I experienced. You know, humility has the same root as humiliation. Uh, it offers you humility to go through some of these things. And so because of the rejections, the attacks, I found that I can connect with people. What a joy. Our passage today in John takes place after the resurrection of Jesus. It's at the very end of John, chapter 21, and we're going to come to a scene where Jesus encounters the disciples early in the morning, and then eventually has a conversation with Peter one-on-one. -on -one. And he talks to Peter, and something happens in this conversation that directly links to a conversation before his death and resurrection, another conversation that Jesus and Peter had, and Peter wants to follow Jesus where he's going. Jesus has told the disciples at the Last Supper, where I'm going, you can't follow. And Peter says, I, I will follow you. I want to follow you right now. And Jesus says, you can't. Well, I, I will give my life to follow you. And Jesus says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times by the end of the night. I know you want to follow me. You can't follow me. And so Peter's heart, as much as Peter wanted to follow, his head just got in the way, right? When fear came, he, he denied. He denied his friend. He denied his teacher. He denied his, his brother, his Lord. I don't know what he must have felt in those days between these two conversations. The letdown that he felt that he had committed and then all by himself and Jesus is dead, what he must have felt in that moment. I mean, can you imagine a lower place to be with your faith in Christ than that? Maybe you know this feeling. Or maybe you haven't met Jesus yet, 
but you feel like you've just let everyone down. It's a hard place to be. And we come to today's scene, and I want you to remember, as you hear this latter conversation, Peter said he would follow Jesus even if it meant his life. And remember then that Peter denied him three times. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus asked a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon replied, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said to him, take care of my sheep. He asked a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was sad that Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He replied, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. I assure you that when you were younger, you tied your own belt and walked around wherever you wanted. When you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and another will tie your belt and lead you where you don't want to go. He said this to show the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. After saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. This was the one who had leaned against Jesus at the meal and asked him, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw this disciple, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Jesus replied, if I want him to remain until I come, what difference does that make to you? You must follow me. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, God. to God. Thanks be to God. So three times Peter was asked, do you love me? Three times Peter affirmed that he did. The third time sticks out because he says, Lord, you know, you know everything. You know that I love you. And I wonder if in that moment Peter had a dawning of realization. You think Jesus knew, knew he knows everything? Yeah, right? Did Peter, maybe, did he think that Jesus might doubt his love for him? And then three times he finally says, you know everything, you know I love you. And I wonder if in that moment Peter was like, oh, you know everything, you know I love you. And how that changes everything when you have that realization. It's as if Peter was asked that not for Jesus' sake. Jesus didn't need to hear it three times, Peter did. Peter needed to be reminded, Jesus knows everything, he knows. He knows he loves him. And so this assurance that he's forgiven. He was already forgiven, right? He just didn't know it. And the scene offers Peter the assurance of Jesus' love for him. This, this effort Jesus makes to connect with him one-on-one -on -one and again give him three chances to affirm when he had denied, to again say, now you can follow me. That foundation of love is what actually made Peter ready to follow. I mean, what changed 
from three nights earlier, however many nights it was, that you can't follow me, Peter, to now follow me. Something changed, and it was only through the deep despair and terrible thing that Peter experienced that he comes to a place somehow where he can answer that call. Jesus tells him, you're going to be killed by crucifixion. Stretching of the hands and tying of the belt is a reference to crucifixion. This is how you're going to die. And then Jesus says, follow me. So following Jesus in this case is going to the cross, just like Christ did. And Peter, knowing exactly what's coming, is now asked to follow. I think the only way he could is through that devastation. Knowing how far away you can be and then seeing the full love of God through Jesus, through this moment of not just resurrection in the body, but a resurrected relationship, a resurrected sense of self, Peter then does what Peter does. He finds a way to mess it up. He goes, well, what about him? I liken this to a child who's told to go do the chores, right? Go clean the bathroom. And as they're begrudgingly walking, they go, well, what about her? What's she going to do, right? Pointing to a sibling. Peter's been told he's going to die. Well, what about him? What difference does that make to you, Jesus says? You, you must follow me. Peter's invited to go into these footsteps of Christ to shepherd sheep that will lead to a cross. Peter followed. Peter shepherded. Peter was crucified upside down. And he loved Jesus, and he did give his life to follow as he had once said he would and could. So this passage is a source of encouragement and peace. Uh, It reminds us of a few things. One, there is nothing we can do that will overshadow our love for Jesus. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows you love him, even when you mess up. Two, we know that we are already forgiven, whether we know it or not. Three, we are called to the mission in a unique way. I was called as pastor. Many of you were not. That's how it's supposed to be. Four, we must not worry about the calling of others. And I think that's where we struggle. As a church, we struggle with these four truths as a worldwide church. As a denomination, we are struggling with this because we're so worried about what someone else is doing. We lose sight of what it is we're called to do. We're struggling with this too as individuals, yes? Anybody else? It's hard. I don't understand why everyone doesn't understand that I'm right and just see it my way. That's a joke too. I don't think that. Please know that I don't think that. Or I don't understand why some churches are making proclamations about things that other churches aren't and they're pointing to the same scripture. How? Maybe I'm concerning myself where I shouldn't. Amen? I remember a counselor I worked with at Camp Manito where I served on staff for a number of years. And as a counselor, he and I were the male counselors. His name was John. And I was very, like, I was very vibrant, I guess, very loud. I was always playing with the kids and cracking jokes and running around like a maniac playing music and, and just very outgoing. And then John was very quiet. And he kind of sat to the side. He didn't say much. If he did, it was usually an awkward joke, kind of like the ones I tell now. And John just kind of was not seen. And I, I thought at one point in the beginning of the summer, why'd they hire John? <laughs> He's, you know, I'm out here sweating and, and running around, and he's just kind of there. 
But I started to notice over the summer the kids that John would reach were the ones that were quiet and off to the side and not necessarily loud. And I started to realize that John was reaching kids and connecting with kids I never could. And I was connecting with kids he never could. And we were both necessary in this really beautiful way. It taught me a lot about the fact that we're all necessary in even our differences. Peter needed to lead a path that led to the cross, like Jesus. John did not, this beloved disciple. Jesus leads him to focus on feeding the sheep in the way that he was called. And when it comes to, when it comes to following me into death, Jesus says, you follow me. Don't worry about him. So I ask you, where is Jesus calling you? Do you know? Have you thought about it lately? Or maybe you know exactly where it is, but maybe you're, you're comparing it to others. Have you been distracted? Have you been struggling with your own shortcomings? Have you denied Jesus? Do you not think the cross can bring you forgiveness too? Do you think Jesus knows that you love him? Well, the good news is, friends, Jesus Christ loves you. Jesus Christ was obedient unto death at the leading of God to receive the rejection and pain and, and murder by humanity, and he did it for the sake of humanity. That's how we know we're loved. Amen? So let me ask you, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? Do you believe he loves you? Let me ask again, do you love Jesus? Will you follow him wherever he leads? Third time, do you love Jesus? Will you follow him even if it's somewhere different than everyone else? Your world needs you. Your world doesn't need me. My world doesn't need you. Your world needs you. No one else can do what you have been called to do. So don't depend upon your own sense of worth. Depend upon Christ's love for you who makes you worthy. Know that at your lowest point, at precisely the moment when everything seemed to be wrong, that's actually through that that you're able to do the things that you weren't able to do prior. You're able to connect with people. You're able to follow in ways you couldn't. Don't compare yourself to others and their calling. Trust in your calling. Jesus is calling, amen? You follow him. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.